I'm Lauren Vogel, a journalist at CMAJ, and this is CMAJ Newsmakers. With me today is Dr. Peter Piot, director of the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. Dr. Piot has forged a career fighting two of the most feared viruses in recent history. In 1976, he co-discovered Ebola in what is now known as the Democratic Republic of Congo. And as founding director of UNAIDS, Dr. Piot has been a champion in the global response to HIV. For these efforts, he recently received the Canada Gairdner Global Health Award, and today we reflect on his legacy. Dr. Piot, can you take us back to your part in the discovery of Ebola? For me, the most exciting was unraveling the modes of transmission, because we had no clue. This was in 1976, and I was 27 years old. One day in September, uh, we received in our lab at the Institute of Tropical Medicine in Antwerp a uh, blood sample of a Belgian nun missionary who had died with um, mysterious disease in what was then called Zaire in Central Africa, now the Democratic Republic of Congo. Out of that sample, we uh, we isolated then a new virus. And in the meantime, we also saw that uh, it was causing uh, highly um, deadly infections and there was an epidemic. And then subsequently, I went to, to Zaire, to Congo, to investigate how uh, this is transmitted, and, and we found that it was basically through very close contact with body fluids and through um, contaminated injections. I know that outbreaks of Ebola since then have been mostly rural, localized, and they've died out quickly, usually spontaneously. What changed about the virus, or what changed about the situation yeah. of its transmission that made this last epidemic so virulent? We really don't know, but I called it a perfect storm uh, in the sense that one, these are countries that are coming out of decades of civil war, corrupt dictatorship, with hardly functioning um, health systems, health services, like Liberia had 50 medical doctors for a population of about 5 million, and uh, beliefs of uh, disease transmission, but uh, more witchcraft and so on, um, a lack of trust in the government, and above all, a lack of response. In the, we know in Ebola, when you have one case, it should be all stops out. That's when you can stop a, an epidemic and an outbreak because all we have basically is isolation, quarantine, caring for patients, uh, safe burials. And you can do that in a rural area. You can do that at limited time, but not when you are dealing with cities of a million people and so on. What does it tell us about our preparedness for the next big global threat, say, for example, a flu pandemic? The, the whole uh, Ebola outbreak points to the fault lines at local level. There was also their denial. There was a, um, not functioning health systems. But uh, also at the global level, we waited until um, August before the World Health Organization declared this an international emergency of public health. And um, we have to really look at how can we better support countries in the first place. Countries that are vulnerable to epidemics should have a better surveillance system and have a real public health system. But then also at the global level, um, we need to have the mechanisms for uh, prompter intervention, support, and all that didn't happen. For many years, you led the global fight against HIV AIDS. How did you first become interested in the disease? When I was working in, uh, on Ebola in Central Africa, I became interested in sexually transmitted infections because I saw that there were so many of them and also that the, the science of it was very limited. We, all that wasn't there. I was working then in, uh, also in Belgium where we saw people coming from Central Africa who came with a syndrome 
clinical syndrome that was always fatal and uh, what we now call AIDS. The big difference, though, that we had is that about one-third of our patients were women. And in these days, the dogma was this is a gay disease. And I could never understand why a virus would care about the sexual orientation of its host. And so I went to Kinshasa, where I'd worked before in the capital of Zaire. And uh, with our Congolese colleagues, we, we found indeed that there was a major epidemic of heterosexual uh, HIV infection. And, and that was completely new in these days. And I saw how bad it was, and I told myself, well, that's what I want to work on. This is going to be a catastrophe. Then there were very, very few cases uh, worldwide. But in Kinshasa, in a few weeks' time, we had like immediately 50 uh, cases of AIDS. And in, this was in 83, when each country would have maybe 100 cases or 200, but not more than that. You said in the past that HIV transformed the way we think about infectious disease. What made this virus such a game changer? Well, you could say that certainly the response against the AIDS epidemic uh, created global health. Um, it was the first time that um, a, an infectious disease was discussed at the highest levels, political levels, the UN Security Council, the UN General Assembly, the African Union, and so on, that there was a worldwide solidarity to bring down the price of antiretrovirals and to provide treatment. That was also, we were con- confronted with a, uh, an epidemic that was not just confined to the developing world and was not the flu. Uh, people were shocked that treatment was available, life-saving treatment to people in the West uh, in, in 1996, but that that treatment was so expensive that it was not affordable, in, particularly in Africa, where then millions of people uh, were dying from AIDS. And uh, I think all that combined made a big difference. And then at the personal level, we also had here uh, in the early years, particularly quite well off uh, of a middle class gay men who knew more about this disease than their doctors and where you had a new dialogue between a physician and a patient. There seems to be a growing public perception that the AIDS pandemic is over or ending, yet you've been advocating for sustained and increasing investment at the same time. Is there a risk of complacency here? Yeah, there is a growing perception that uh, AIDS is over or that the end of HIV is in sight if only we provide treatment to everybody. And so they even say by 2030, it will all be over. And I'm afraid that that's really uh, not possible. Um, Last year, there were still over 2 million new infections of HIV in the world. There were more than uh, 1.5 million people who died, despite the fact that we've made enormous progress that there are 15 million people in the developing world on antiretroviral therapy, something that most people had thought was impossible. So we've made big progress, but it's not over. There's been a massive neglect of prevention. We have epidemics uh, going on all over the world, and it's due to a combination of factors, uh, from gender-based violence to the fact that it's difficult to talk about sexuality, difficult access to uh, antiretroviral drugs, not functioning health systems. So we have to continue because otherwise we will see a new increase in new infections and that would create millions of deaths uh, more than we have at the moment. Let's not forget that what started as a case report from California of six gay men who came down with a mysterious new disease. Cumulatively now we have over 70 million people in the world who have been infected and 30, over 30 million have died uh, and it continues. How do you see the AIDS pandemic transforming in the future? 
Well, first of all, I should say I'm an optimist, and I think that we will continue the decline in new infection and in deaths, but that will require sustained funding, sustained commitment, um, greater attention to prevention and sex education and dealing with uh, driving forces such as discrimination and stigma uh, of homosexuality and and sexual violence against women. All that will be required. So it will all depend on the availability of of money and of the political will to uh, continue. We need a long-term view. It's not going to be over soon. Considering increasing emphasis on the need for physicians and researchers to take a role as advocates, what advice do you have for those entering the field, particularly those who may be struggling to balance this with professional objectivity? I think that as physicians, we have not only direct responsibility vis-à-vis our patients, but also um, to speak up in society and say, look, this is what we're seeing. This is a continuing problem and uh, we must really deal with it. You know, the science, that should be the basis of what we're saying, but then also a concern for, you know, social justice and for making sure that everybody can have access to the best uh, health care and the best prevention. Uh, and then be open to the world also. Today's world, we are so connected that an epidemic far away can have major implications for any other countries. Think of SARS that started in, in Hong Kong and East China, and you know, a few days later it was in Toronto causing several deaths. So that connectivity with their colleagues all over the world is very important. Speaking of that connectivity, who has influenced you the most in your career? Well, I've been lucky to have great mentors in my life. But then I've always been inspired by people living with HIV. Wherever I would travel, I would meet with them, even if they would give me a a hard time. I would uh, always then know what's going on and also why I'm doing this. And and so as far as your own personal professional challenges, what are are those? What are the next big steps for you? Well, I think the next uh, big step is, um, you know, leading the school, the London School of Hygiene Tropical Medicine, making sure we are... um, well in touch with the health challenges of tomorrow. Globally, for example, we started with a major center for global mental health, which is one of the biggest neglected issues. So that's the, some of the agenda. And uh, I see this also as a fantastic opportunity to continue to stimulate research for global health, but also education for uh, global health uh, worldwide. Thanks again for your time, Dr. Piat. Thanks so much.